This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Known and Ever podcast. This is the preview show and we are here with another episode looking ahead to the Clarets Premier League fixtures. I'm your host Natalie Bromley and this week we have the team analysing and looking forward, if that's a word that we can use, to the Clarets' crucial Premier League tie against Bournemouth. It's marked as one of those winnable games and has probably now become a must-win game even this early in the season. Uh, we do tease Dave about this, but uh, clearly Vincent Company has been listening to the Known and Never podcast and agrees that this is in fact a must-win game. Uh, we're also going to be looking back at uh, the performances against Brighton last weekend. Uh, sorry, not Brighton, uh, Brentford. Sorry, all the Bs in the Premier League I'm getting confused Brentford last week and um, looking back on a, a pretty distressing afternoon what can these Clarets do to get their season on track do we just need to hover around 17th are we going to need 40 points or will something as close as 30 or even low be what we need to survive who knows here we go let's get going <laughs> And first up, it is regular panellist and all round, not so very happy Claret this season. We are trying to pull him out of this. It is Tom Whitaker, Tom Claret, who has given us his thoughts after that Brentford game and just exactly where the Clarets are at this stage of the season. Over to you, Tom. Good evening, no and ever listeners. Tom here again. Uh, another <laughs> depressing soliloquy from me, unfortunately. I try and keep this one a bit more brief. Um, after, you know, as you heard after the Man United game, I felt we were in real trouble. Um, and there was, a, you know, there's been a lot of well, we've played good teams, we've played big clubs at home. It's not a surprise that we're losing these games. Um, and then a lot of people, the season was starting on on Saturday against Brentford, and despite them not being uh, quite of the size of Man United or Chelsea, they beat us probably even more easily than those teams did. Um, it was really was a shambolic performance. Um, it's quite worrying, really, that you know we, we got the team in the uh, in the pub at two o'clock, and straight away you thought, right, well, we're going to lose today because he picked the wrong midfield. You know, I think we've seen by now that Burge cannot he's not a holding midfielder; he can't play there. Costa's the first goal, giving it away. Bithering, he's like a wardrobe, you know, so slow. Um, but when he's played number ten, a bit further forward, he looks really good. So, the I think we've, we've too many luxury players in that team at the minute. Um, you know, Amdouni, you can't play Bergen and Amdouni in the same 
team. I just, I don't think you've got to, you've got to decide one or the other. And I think, unfortunately, Amdini, for where we are as a luxury player, he offers you nothing off the ball. It's the same with Trezor. Um, at least Amdini actually does offer you something on the ball sometimes. I've not really seen that from Trezor yet, but um, you know, you, you do feel for whichever fullback is is behind him because they're not getting any support whatsoever from Trezor. Uh, you miss Goodmanson, I think, in that role. You know, obviously, with his years on the dice, he's a bit more disciplined. He's a bit more willing to, to track back and do the hard yards. Um, obviously, Kaliosho or or Odeberto, whoever it is on the left hand side as well, just lacking that physicality, so it's difficult for them to help out defensively. Um, yeah, it's the same old problems. It's the same. Like I say, I'm on, I'm on air every week talking about how bad we are, and I think most people can see what the problems are probably apart from Vincent Company at the minute part of the issue is that the squad he's built isn't really you know he hasn't given himself enough enough options to make the changes that he needs to you know we're crying out for changes at fullback for example and we haven't got anyone to replace anyone that's playing there at the minute uh, Robert's red card Jesus Christ what a, what a pillock um, yeah it's the same up front isn't it I mean Foster's really good but if he's suspended or injured or if you want an option to bring off you haven't got one. Um, the middle of midfield is such a problem, you know. Cullen just doesn't have the physicality, and if if he's there with Burge, it's like he's on his own. You need the only way we can get along at the minute is with Brownell in there, just with just the the legs and the work rate that he added. But then you drop off technically because technically he's not really at the level of probably the, the majority of the rest of the squad. Brownell, um, I don't think he's a Premier League player in terms of technique. I've said that. I've said that plenty of times before, but we do need him in the, in the team at the minute. So when I saw he wasn't starting on Saturday, I just thought, right, well that's it then. Another defeat incoming. Trafford, uh, a word on Trafford actually, because that was I, I said on uh, when I was last on that he doesn't make any saves that you don't expect him to. But I thought actually on on Saturday he did. Um, the one from Mope where he, he almost let it go straight through him was a bit of a worry, but there were two or three really good saves. All the Brentford fans in the pub after were saying to us, you know, it would have been six or seven if it wasn't for your keeper. He was the standout player, and I think that's fair. But again, it's the same weaknesses with passing the ball. You know, he's too slow. He isn't good enough technically to pass the ball. Why they thought he was when they bought him, I really don't know. Maybe it's just something that he's got to that's in him, and they've seen it in him, and it's got to develop. But we're running out of time. We need to win some games of football. And we can't we can't hang about a whole season for him to develop how to pass a football with with one or two touches. So. That's worrying. And then the the last point I was going to come on to was the centre halves. Alder Keel, he looks like what he is, which is a kid getting bullied by adults every week. Um, he looked like a Rolls Royce in the Championship when he didn't actually have to do that much defending because we had the ball seventy percent of the time. But in the Prem, he's he's not he's not ready at all, um, and he really needs to be taken out the firing line um, because his confidence looks looks like it's falling to pieces. But then again, we, again, you know. Um, I suppose you could say, to be fair, we have got the bodies in there, and the best two defenders, probably Ekdal and Bayer, are both injured at the minute. Can't that them coming back can't come soon enough because O'Shea is not up to it. He's he's not good enough to play the way we want to play, and I'm not 100% sure as a Premier League defender. And Alder like I say, so far off the level at the minute, it's scary, and I don't think Delquire is either. Um, company talked about not just buying a left back for the sake of it when he was asked about the Matson and the other targets, but then. Delcoir seems to be a centre half that we've signed just for the sake of it. You know, it was like all done in a few days. He said when we signed him, and I don't think he looks like a Premier League player. It's kind of like this season's Bastion, just kind of a filler from the Belgian leagues. So after saying I wasn't going to go on a massive rant about how rubbish we are, I've gone on another massive rant about how rubbish we are. So apologies for that. 
Um, the, probably the, the big saving grace, the big uh, kind of hope we're all clinging on to at the minute is Bournemouth have had just as bad a start as, as they're trying to play the same kind of way and find, finding it equally difficult. So if we can sort of, if we can somehow get a win down there, then obviously things look a bit more hopeful. That more than likely take us out of the bottom three and it would just give us a little bit of breathing space between us and, and Bournemouth and Sheffield United at the very least. So if we can get that win on Saturday, then things will look a bit more hopeful. But um, I think company has got a lot of serious changes to make uh, and until he makes them and unless he makes them, I think uh, unfortunately I might be doing a few more of these. But fingers crossed, hope springs eternal and uh, let's hope we get the three points on Saturday, not the Claret. And before we get into our uh, preview of the Bournemouth game, we do have a quiz question for you. Of course we do. It has been following a regular theme this season and Dave has been asking you to name the players who have played more than 50 appearances for the Clarets since their uh, since World War Three, World War Two ended until the end of last season. Um, you've got until the end of this episode to be able to submit that answer. So have a think about it, Clarets, and let us know how you get on. Answer to follow. And let's start off with that analysis piece by looking at the history of these fixture plays. And we're going to hand over to producer Matt, who is in front of the camera this week rather than behind it, who's going to give us the history of this fixture. Here is our summary of past away league matches at Bournemouth. 14 previous league matches at Bournemouth have produced 5 Burnley wins, 4 draws and 5 defeats. Burnley have scored 14 goals and conceded 16 in these matches. All of the first 10 seasons were either in the 2nd or 3rd tier, but since then both clubs have worked their way up to the top flight. If you include last season's FA Cup win, Burnley have tasted victory on each of our last 4 visits to play Bournemouth at Dean Court, which is currently referred to as the Vitality Stadium for sponsorship purposes. And now we are coming back to Tom and we are looking at our new fixture this sixth season, which is just cleverly titled One to Remember and One to Forget. What Burnley fixtures against Bournemouth has Statman Dave picked up here? Which ones do we want to remember? Which ones do we want to forget? Let's hope that today's fixture is not going to be one to forget. It's going to be in the former category, but Tom is back to give us this little update. We'll get the one to forget from a Burnley perspective out of the way first in what was our heaviest defeat against the Cherries. That match took place in Stan, early in Stan Sunshine's Burnley manager in November 1998. The home side were captained by Ian Cox, who would later be signed for Burnley by Stan Turner, and a young Eddie Howe was also in their starting eleven. The first half was goalless, but the Clarets were reduced to 10 men just before the interval when Stephen Morgan picked up his second booking of the match. The home side made the most of their numerical advantage in the second 45, putting on goals from Chris the Warren. Two from Steve Robinson, including a penalty, and two more from Mark Steen to make it a thoroughly, thoroughly miserable trip to the south coast for the travelling Clarets fans. In the Burnley Express, Chris Bowden's match report included the headline Seashide Shambles, which seems to have been a very apt description of events. On to better times, and we have a good selection of away wins to choose from, but we've elected to single out an away win from April 2019. Burnley players scored all four of the goals in this match, although the first of the four was at the wrong end of the pitch in just the fourth minute, when Ashley Barnes, under pressure from Nathan Ake, headed the ball past Tom Heaton and into his own net. Chris Wood levelled the scores after 18 minutes with a header from Ashley Westwood's corner, and two minutes later, Ashley Westwood gave Burnley the lead with a well-taken side-foot shot. Into the second half, and Asmir Begovic made a mess of Charlie Taylor's cross, which allowed Chris Wood to set up Ashley Barnes, who registered a goal at the right end to make it 3-1 after 56 minutes. And that was the way it stayed to the delight of the 1,200 Clarets fans who had made the trip. 
And you know we don't like to just give you our opinion. We do like to give you some opposition view. And we spoke this week to Sam from AFC Bournemouth podcast who gave us his views ahead of the game. Hi guys, thanks for inviting us on. It's fair to say that this weekend is maybe a relegation six-pointer. Well, it certainly feels that way for us. This has not been a great start to the season. Being below the dotted line isn't where we wanted to be or expected to be, really. Maybe we had delusions of grandeur with this new manager that came in and bringing in all these new players. And we've spent a fair bit of money, but at the moment, it's just not quite gelling. If you take the equivalent games to what we've had this season, last season, we are actually up on points. But the last three performances that we've had have been very concerning. After a start to the season, that's actually been all right. And we've seen elements of this organised chaos that the new manager wants to bring in, this fast, free-flowing attacking game. But it's fair to say that without uh, CDM at the moment, we are lacking that kind of pivot in the centre of the pitch, the kind of playmaker, the tough tackler, the person that's going to cover all the ground to be able to win the ball back and get us going. Jefferson Lerma went to Crystal Palace and we never really replaced him. Well, we did get Tyler Adams, but he's out till March. So we've got Lewis Cook to replace him. Oh no, he got sent off against Wolves. So it looks like Joe Rothwell's going to come in. Alex Scott, the new guy from Bristol City, can do a job, but he's only just come back in. Essentially, we've had to integrate a load of new players and trying to deploy a brand of football that they're probably not familiar with. Was Gary O'Neill harshly sacked? Some could say yes, but look, we presented him with his first chance of management in football and he did do the job. It was it was painful to watch along the way, but armed with a war chest in January, he got the job done. And all we can do is thank him, but I can see the board's need to... Have a different brand of football. It's easier to recruit for a specific style under Iriola, under Gary O'Neill. We didn't really know our identity. Alas, we're looking at Wolves this season thinking, oh, maybe maybe we could do with some of that pragmatism at times. Because the points tally that we've got at the moment is uh, not where we want to be. And not beating Wolves or getting a result, at least against Wolves, last Saturday makes this match absolutely huge. And it's two teams that seem to be very stoic in their need to play the same way it's what we did when we went up to the Premier League the first time and I, I bet a few Burnley fans are saying look we could do with a bit of Sean Dyche pragmatism here and that's what we're almost thinking with Gary O'Neill alas would I want him as our manager for the rest of the season no I think he was our manager for the there and then but not for the future and we're trying to build a project and Ariola could be that man but it's 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 tough for him and our owners flying in from Las Vegas, the pressure's on. If we lose, or maybe even draw, I get the feeling he might be gone. Prediction-wise, I'm going to go for a Bournemouth win. I do back us to turn it around. In adversity previously, the club has always come good. Therefore, I'm backing us to do it again. I'm going for a 2-1 win. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, so Matt, who's the referee this game, please? Who have we got in the middle, including those officials, slightly under-pressure officials in the VAR, please, Booth? What's our referee's game? Although this isn't the first time 30-year-old Sam Barrett of Huddersfield has refereed a Burnley match, his only previous appearance in the middle was for a cup tie at Turf Moor almost 12 months ago when we beat Crawley Town 3-1 in last season's League Cup competition. There were no red cards in that match and just one yellow, for Johan Bergudmanson. This weekend will be the first time Sam Barrett has taken charge of a match involving Bournemouth, and on this occasion, David Coote will be the video assistant referee. So there we are, lots of stats ahead of this game. The previous show this week being knitted together. Um, a little bit like our souls at the moment, Burnley fans. Um, for me, this is absolutely a must-win game this weekend. I know uh, regular listeners will um, laugh because I do tease Statman Dave about this quite a lot. But the reality is is that the start of this season has been very poor from the Clarets, um, irrespective of whether or not we can uh, mitigate those performances and those results owing to the very difficult fixtures that we had to overcome the first six games. Um, you know, the reality is is that we didn't compete against the slightly higher bracket um, side in, in Brentford, which we thought we were going to do. We thought we would be able to be OK against those sides outside of the top six or the powerful six or seven. Um, Brentford are a good side, even without their key player. In, um, you know, they, they don't... They've been in the Premier League for a long time for a reason now, and they've been nowhere near relegation for a few seasons now, which is clearly um, a, a big thing. It's always going to be difficult to play against those sides because they're physically and tactically much better and a lot further ahead than we are. Um, it was interesting to hear Vincent Company's views last week about this team being ahead of schedule. Clearly, they had a plan to get promoted within three years and build a squad that would be able to compete. Didn't necessarily expect to absolutely walk the championship last season. And, and the, with them being promoted two years ahead of schedule, that's messed up, it feels. Some plans... I, I have sympathy for that and I think that's a justifiable um, explanation as to why this Burnley side just look completely, dare I say, out of their depth in this league. It's a little bit worrying, um, but then it's also understandable as well. Um, with that in mind, I don't, I don't really know how I feel now about this season. I, I was hoping that we would be able to stay up and build on that success, but if we are so behind schedule that we can't even compete at this level, are we better to go back down and to follow the, the plan that we have? I guess that depends on whether we keep guns and company or not. I don't know. Um, it's all very well saying we've got a three-year plan, but if he gets poached at the end of this season, what then happens to that plan? Are we better to stay in the league and <clears throat> attract a different style of manager? I don't know. Um, the key things for me at the moment is I want to see some stability in the side. Um, we're not used to as Burnley fans and we're not used to, even from last season, I guess, this tinkering. Um, every single game, there's a different player in a different position, a different formation. It's unsettling for the players. It has to be. How do they know what they're playing? And, and it's just every week it's not working and we then try something else and that's not working as well and I feel like 
we need some stability, particularly in defence. Um, having Jordan Bayer back is going to be a huge boost when he's available. I, I, Ekdal, I don't know where his injuries are. We need to get him back as quickly as possible as well. Um, I do subscribe to the let's at least try Murich um, option. Um, Trafford clearly for me isn't performing to the level that we may be expecting to with regards to distribution. Um, I think he's a great shot stopper and a lot of the goals haven't been his fault. But um, listen, if we lose away at Bournemouth this weekend, I feel defeated already. Um, it's going to be very hard to pick up the optimism as fans going forward. Um, so let's see where we get to. But yeah, I definitely want to see a settled side going forward and just a little bit more positivity from the team. OK, let's finish off then these with um, I have a look at our special Statman Dave, miscellaneous stat of the week. It's not Dave this week. We've not been able to get him for recording this week, which is our fault because our schedules clashed. Um, we've asked Rich instead to give us your miscellaneous stat of the week. Burnley's current tally of four points from the first nine league matches of the season is our joint lowest of the Premier League at this stage of the season, unfortunately. We are currently level with the points tally at this stage in both the 2014-15 and 2001-22 season. Of course, both of these seasons ended with the dreaded R-word, relegation. Our only other relegation from the Premier League was in 2009-10, but in that season we amassed, we had already amassed an impressive 12 points from the first nine matches, primarily as a result of winning all of our first four home games. Conversely, this season, the Clarets have suffered defeat in all of our five home league games. However, we are only just approaching game week, game week 10 and there is still a long way to go. So let's hope the team can gel quickly uh, rather than later because at the moment it is a little bit of doom and gloom. But let's hope for a big three points this weekend. OK, that's all we have time for this week. Let's leave you with a couple of housekeeping matters before we get going. Uh, a quick apology, actually. I did not give you the correct information about the quiz question um, at, the, at the beginning of this episode. So apologies, listeners. Um, I'm going to get my uh, knuckles wrapped from Dave for doing this wrong. There's actually five players who've made 50 or more appearances for both Burnley and Bournemouth between... Uh, the post-war period ending and uh, the end of last season. So that's the end of World War Two and the end of last season. Um, all five were at Turf Moor since the year 2000. So hopefully that will give you a little bit of a hint for those who haven't already got it. Now, only two of those five players have actually ranked up over 100 league appearances for both clubs. Um, can you also name which one of the five those two were? Let's see, shall we? Did any of you get these? So the answers are... Of course, Wade Elliott playing 252 appearances for Burnley and 220 for Bournemouth. The one and only Sam Vaux. Of course, I got this one, listeners. You'd be very surprised if I didn't. He racked up 239 appearances for Burnley and 54 for Bournemouth. Coming in third, Ian Cox at 115 for Burnley and 173 for Bournemouth. Junior Stanislas, 93 performances for Burnley and 158 for Bournemouth. And finally, Marvin Bartley. 65 for the Clarets and 113 for Bournemouth. Now, out of those five, do you know which one of those had more than 100 appearances? Obviously, we've already told you. They are, of course, Wade Elliott and Ian Cox. So congratulations to any of you who got those. That was quite, that's quite a good one, actually. I think we can, uh, we can say we could probably guess three or four of those straight off. So well done, listeners, if you got those. So 
Godspeed to all travelling clients who are making their way down to Bournemouth this weekend. Um, it's been a trying time this season and your travelling support is hugely appreciated by everybody. Cheer the boys on. Hopefully you'll get three points on the road to cheer you up and make that journey worthwhile. It'd be a nice fitting reward for your commitment if we can get that um, win on the board. We will be back next week with an analysis show and we will be back to our regular schedule next week, listeners. Apologies, it's been um, with the international break and a couple of away games. I've been out of the country so I've not been available to record um, and it's thrown our schedule out of the window. So a quick public service announcement to all of our loyal, regular listeners. Thank you for sticking with us. Apologies that the preview show and the analysis show has been a little bit all over the place this season. But from Tuesday onwards... I am back. We will have our regular season and a couple of new things to keep you interested. So thank you for that. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the preview show brought to you by the Known and Never podcast. Until next time. The Known and Never podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. Our host and editor is Natalie Bromley and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Rich Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby and Adam Dennett. Our music is provided by George Gaskell and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonenever.substack.com. Thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are proud to be associated with the TalkSport Fan Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.